and a one and a two and a one, two, three, four. Hello. Welcome to Industry Talk. Welcome to House of Strauss. Welcome to the live call-in show with yours truly, Ethan Strauss. And one, I, I screwed it up. I was ramping into just trying to uh, rain plaudits upon you, Ryan. But Ryan Glass-Spiegel of the New York Post, how you I'm doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm doing good as well. I'm uh, I'm feeling very good. I, I, I like getting the... Uh, I don't know. Did you, did you see? Did you see it, Ryan? Did you see that there was a shout out for the old House of Strauss newsletter on a, on, on a podcast that's quite popular? Are you aware of such a thing? I'm not aware of such a thing. Oh, Explain. you're not aware of it. Oh, my God. Well, now I feel like a total asshole. Um, no, it was, uh, it was very nice. The CEO of Substack, Chris Guest, was on uh, the Joe Rogan experience and gave oh. uh, the House of Strauss newsletter a good little a good little shout out there now joe doesn't know me from adam uh he instantly changed the subject to being fascinated by how you can have a podcast on the substack platform i think that that's what drew his eye but it was you know it's nice it's nice to be recognized ryan it's nice to be recognized it's nice to be acknowledged yeah yeah that's all that's all you can uh hope for in life so you know just like a little little promo slash housekeeping um is this the deadest time of the sports calendar, Ryan, or is there... A, no, 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 the MLB All-Star break is the deadest time. The MLB All-Star break, yeah. We've got preseason football now, which, like, you know, I don't really get too into, but no. um, it it's discernibly less dead with it in existence than... Um, than a few weeks ago. I mean, there's a reason Stephen A. Smith is like returning triumphantly mm. <laughs> on a boat right now. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, okay. So yeah, right about now you're, you're, uh, you're, you're tasting football, football, football is on the horizon. You can uh, feel it outside in the Midwest. Like you mm. can just like, you know, step out at eight in the morning. It's still in the sixties and you're like, oh, it feels like football outside. Is the Boys of Fall Kenny Chesney song? If anyone wants to look <laughs> it up and just mainline some uh, American football, Americana, uh, Anthony Slater. I, you know, it's big... weird. I, I used to just like, you know, beg and beg and beg for football season to come. Mm. But now, like when I now that I have kids, um, like and getting to like spend less time with them and just like having. Yeah, I, honestly, like. Uh, the amount of football I watch on Sunday is always going to be from kickoff until the end of like Sunday night football. But also, you know, Saturdays too, I watch a decent amount of college football. And so um, it's like, I love football season, but I'm also no longer just, you know, begging the world to deliver it to me and like wish away the end of the summer. Like I used to. Yeah, I don't understand how anybody has time. Uh, I used to. You know, I used to watch a full Sunday slate of football. I'd be very excited to. But yes, when you have kids, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Now, about the preseason football, I felt like I had an epiphany when I saw a preseason football game um, about, I don't know, maybe it was 10, 15 years ago. Who knows? It's back when the Chargers were in San Diego. And I went to the preseason game, and I was just staggered. By how boring it was just legitimately shocked oh yeah just, it's like, totally unwatchable especially and it's even gotten worse because like the um they used to play the starters for like a quarter 
now like most of the good players just sit the entire preseason. Well, it, it made me realize something because, and look, I, I, I was a big football fan, so it wasn't, I wasn't coming at it from the perspective of, I love the NBA and hate the NFL. It was just that it made me realize that when you take the stakes out of football, it, it's quite boring. That the stakes, that's just 99% of the juice of football versus with basketball, I can just watch, I can just aesthetically enjoy watching basketball happen um, and watching a fairly low stakes game. I would prefer to have stakes. It would be great to have stakes, but football definitely needs the stakes to just, I wouldn't say prop it up because it's our, our country's most popular game, but to give it almost everything that it has, you need that tension. If there's no tension, if there's no result people really care about, oh my God, are there a lot of pauses? Yeah, and uh, it's really just an exercise in begging that nobody significant to your team gets hurt. Um, You know, like, these training camp practice days, too. I mean, you see, like, you know, the Jets lose their left tackle, and, like, um, Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, got hurt and like you're gasping for breath all night hoping he doesn't have like a torn ACL (laughs) if you're like a Jets fan like that that's really what the preseason is is just like praying that the slot machine of Twitter doesn't turn up that like somebody important to your team tore his ACL yeah you got they got to run the gauntlet and then they've got to somehow survive all the other games uh that have such a high injury risk but today the NBA is taking advantage of the slow sports calendar by leaking out bits of their schedule and dribs and drabs, kicking off, and I'm sure many people aren't paying attention to this, a whole discourse among NBA Twitter people on um, what the hell the NBA season should be. Now, there was a story that came out of it, and here I, I find it interesting on a few different levels, um, just because... There's a little bit of it's a nonpartisan story, but it reads as partisan. It's non-controversial, but it's also controversial. Uh, it's the type of thing that an outkick the coverage uh, writes up as the woke NBA added again. And yet the NBA itself is saying that what they're doing is about politics, but effectively has nothing to do with politics. So I, I just find it to be. A quirky story, and that is, I'm looking at the uh, the CBS Sports write-up, the NBA will not schedule games on Election Day, November 8th, to promote voting in the United States. Um, this seems to be a two-pronged effort where uh, not only is there no game on Election Day, but the day before, they're going to be doing a Civic Engagement Day or some such. I don't know how that's going to manifest. I think the devil will be in the details there. Um, Finally, so, someone's going to bring awareness to Election Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, the, it's kind of funny because I, I'm looking at it right now. The NBA PR account tweeted out, it's, it, the last sentence is that it's a nonpartisan civic engagement, yada, yada, yada. And the clip they're they're putting out there is an MSNBC clip. So there's something funny here. And I mean, look, I, I, I guess I have a few different questions. One of them is, why wouldn't they just make it explicitly partisan? Uh, that's just a hypothetical. You know, why would that be a bridge too far? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody kind of thinks that they want one team to win here. Um, and that's what a lot of the reaction is infused with. Uh, the people who really like it want one particular team to win. I am fascinated by these 
everybody knows, but nobody says sorts of moments. So I'm just throwing that hypothetical out. Like, why not just, why not just go all the way and just say, uh, Hey, we, we want the Democrats to win. And uh, this is what we're doing. I mean, in, in a way you, you couldn't fault them for the honesty on it. It's weird. Cause so I assume that there's going to like later be, um, it's going to come out later that they're doing like, you know, polling locations in a lot of the arenas, which they did in 2020. Yeah. And I actually, By I the way, was at, it might've mattered. I mean, I was it, at it, Outkick at the time and I wrote that you could make a case based on the math that, um, having it in the Hawks arena swung yeah. Georgia because it's, you know, a highly, like the, the cities are, are highly blue. And um, just like based on like how many votes Biden beat Trump by, you can make the case that it made the difference having like a big, you know, convenient. It's like the um, it's not just that it's it's close to a lot of people. It's that like you can staff them, you know, just through the gills and make it so that it's not inconvenient for people to vote. Like it's a lot people are a lot more likely to vote if they're going to be in and out in like 10 or 15 minutes than if they have like lines out the block. And so hosting these votes at NBA arenas is a way of like facilitating that. And so I thought there was like a legitimate math case that the Hawks um, swung the election. Which almost makes it a different scenario than some of these other things that have been done that perhaps are to the detriment of your brand or turn fans off. Um, in this case, there's more of a tangible uh, result, potentially. And if you go, you know, let's say you take this this issue, you take it to the Players Association or whoever really cares about this, and you say, hey, you're probably turning off some fans with this. Uh, fans don't really want to think about politics. Uh, they kind of know what team you're on, and you're reminding them of that. Then the argument might be, hey, you know, um, we put those polling stations out there. We swung Georgia, right? Um, so help me God. They, they, you know, they, they won't brag about that, though. Um, Which is they, interesting, They kind of want to keep it quiet that they did that. <laughs> Which is interesting, too. But like, you could, the, there would be an argument that maybe it matters more to me that I prevented you know, Donald Trump from winning than that our league has the most uh, impeccable brand or not impeccable, but well, uh, there's maybe the case that anybody that they're going to alienate, they've already alienated. So, you know, might as well. And that's to your point. Why not just come out and say, we want you to vote Democrat in the midterms, um, you know, go heavy on the abortion angle, et cetera. Um, Charlie says that we roasted Rick Carlisle for openly championing Georgia from going from red to blue last year. Yeah, I guess that is a little bit, you know, maybe you should go ixnay on the completely, uh, completely. Uh, I, I don't, don't know, think we roasted him. I don't recall that. But yeah, um, I, I don't remember doing it, but I'm at the point where Charlie says maybe that was bogus. Yeah, so I don't. Re- the, my problem is that I don't remember what I've said and haven't said. So I do. And so <laughs> we didn't say that. Um, so I guess we didn't say that. Yeah, I don't think it would be a good decision. So if I'm doing the hypothetical of why not just make it explicit, I think making it explicit would attract more uh, negative attention and it would attract negative attention from governors that they need to play ball, uh, play ball. Yeah, but doing it tacitly is going to do that, too. Um, You know, there is like the question of 
the like what I guess the thing is is that we we've been over this a thousand times. The NBA is not going to help be like um held accountable in the form of losing money on their next TV deal. It's just no. we're still in this competitive landscape. Uh, they, they will everybody... have to suffer RSN pain. You know, the, the, the RSN pain will be the way that they experience uh, uh, the, the decrease in popularity. Yeah, like they're, they're, I mean, look, if they were more popular, their TV contract would be even bigger. But when yeah. you combine inflation and the amount of like bidders, you know, Amazon would love to get in it. Apple would love to get in it. They're not going to give Apple and Amazon a big slice, but one of them is going to get a little slice. Maybe both of them will get little slices. Um, just, you know, ESPN needs it. And I think Turner needs it, although it would be really fascinating if like, Warner Brothers Discovery is just like, you know, we've had a great run, but this isn't worthwhile for us. What that would do for the NBA would be fascinating. But I think yeah. they would just then land at Fox or NBC or CBS and be fine. So, I mean, it wouldn't really yeah. damage them that badly. Um, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Well, I am also, they'll be fine, but I'm also interested in where all the money they lost went. Uh, because there was this whole pandemic period and decrease in attendance. And sometimes it does have a bit of an Enron musk to it. Uh, how is how is the money actually being made here? But we are under the assumption that they will be fine, that they will get a big TV deal, which I think makes them a little bit less sensitive to uh, turning people off, perhaps, though they, they were sensitive to it. I mean, the funniest part where I enraged my colleagues by saying getting political and the way they got political did turn fans off and cause a decrease in viewership. I'm sorry. It's really obvious. I, I feel like all the counter arguments are so weak. It's like people don't even bother to make a counter argument. Their counter argument is, oh, oh, oh no, it's not. Um, but <laughs> that's what the, that's what the guys at fifth Avenue think. That's what they think. You know, that's what they think in there. That's why Adam Silver went out there and said, we're never doing the social justice Jersey and social justice on the court ever again. It's because they were, just green with sickness over what the numbers looked like. And they believed that it was caused by how they signaled. Now they did something rather clever that we've discussed, which is um, set up this social justice group. Uh, they had to do it. It was the, the players were on strike, wildcat strike, whatever you want to call it off of the, uh, the Jacob Blake shooting, which they shouldn't have done actually. And actually was completely lawful and, and, you know, legal but you know everybody was in hysteria it was a crazy time in in 2020 and it's it's part of this process i'll call divide and sponsor where they kind of farm out a lot of stuff to the social justice group uh, run by james cadigan and uh adam silver isn't the one you know with a microphone talking about this it's 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 cadigan on some tv show and I, I don't know if it's totally working, but it is a strategy to sort of compartmentalize the social justice-ness of, of the NBA. Now, yeah, but I then was, it's just yeah. that any time anything pops up, like the, um, the school shooting during the playoffs this year, and then on NBA Today, they're yelling, not yelling, but like, you know, talking about guns and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, they... Anytime one of these hot button issues comes up, which is 
you know, they come up five or six times a year. And just by the math, two thirds of those are going to be during the NBA season, which lasts two thirds of the year. Yeah. It's going to um, like every time it happens, they're not going to shut up and dribble or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a thing. I do think it materially hurt them. Um, and the, again, a shocking viewership number for the last finals uh, versus what the expectations were. I, I think it does. And there is an element of, they almost need somebody to take them by the shoulders and just impute something to them. And it's a very nonpartisan message. And it's this, we don't really care what you want us to do. Like we don't really have an appetite for you telling us how to live. That's just not something we look to you for. We we don't even necessarily have contempt. I mean, the conservatives do, but there's just this sense of we're not, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do on election day, right? I'm going to vote. I'm not going to vote. It's just, that's, that's kind of up to me. And it's, it's nice. I think it's the sort of a nice yeah, gesture it, to, to not, play on election day and kind of send the message that this is a, a good time to, to go and vote. And even though their players play at night and uh, whatever, whatever. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, that's fine. But when you get into the territory of we're having a civic engagement and we're trying to raise awareness to do this and to do that. And it's just, we, we don't really need your advice on how to live. I think that's what a lot of people feel. Yeah, I do think that. And it's almost like, you know, the South Park episode with the giant douche and the turd sandwich where, or like the vote or die or whatever. It's like, you have to vote. Oh wait, you want to vote for him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there is that as well. It's, it, there's, it's funny. I guess it would be better if there was more civic engagement and more people knew the issues, but do we just want people to vote for the sake of voting? I mean, well, does anybody they, literally they feel that like, way? They only ever bring up, you know, Democrat pet causes. I never hear the NBA talk about how, like, carjacking in Chicago has just escalated to the point where I'm legitimately, like, petrified of, like, I've, like, run through the scenario in my head of, like, if I have my one and three-year-old in the car and somebody comes up to the dash with a gun, it, it like, how be... I handle it and it would be mind-blowing to see adam silver throw a bow to the other side and go and you know on the one hand uh we need to protect democracy and i'm trying to even think what the you know protect a, a, a woman's right to choose and on the other hand gotta do something about these soros da's <laughs> <laughs> gotta do something about these soros. i mean how would the media even digest that that would be so fascinating i, I don't I, think they could call silver an anti-semite that would he, be a trump he, card there well, speaking of semites i think michael rubin has been doing some interesting stuff i was prepared to think that what he was doing might be irresponsible with um some of the criminal justice reform efforts where it's uh i think affiliated with the innocence project where they are using dna testing to free people who've been convicted of heinous crimes now my you know suspicion and cynicism kind of goes up when i hear that because we have a rich history in this country of people from both sides of the political aisle freeing prisoners who then go on to do awful things because they actually were guilty there's something about people in, in positions of power who get like enamored with the idea that somebody has been wrongfully uh, convicted, but they actually have a pretty good track record 
uh, Michael Rubin with, uh, was it with Meek Mill? Like the people they've, they've freed, I think have gone on to lead decent lives and they've been fairly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They've had a good shot selection, I, I guess yeah. what I would say. And, and, you know, I think there is a way, there is a way to do these things is all, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're not going to hear LeBron James, you know, get like pound his fist on the table about carjackings. And so it like, it just, it, when, when all of their issues line up with like the pet causes of one political party, they seem like a super PAC is what you're saying. Like they, yeah, they, they seem like a a dem super PAC, which is just kind of lame after a while (laughs) beyond what it would annoys. It's just, you know, can you zig instead of zag? Can you throw a cause at us that we wouldn't have expected? Right. That's not, no, they never, they never, they never surprise us with one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of what even that cause that cause might be. And uh, yeah, it's like, let's have like Greg Popovich yell about the fact that 7% of the carjackers in Chicago have gotten arrested for it. Seven. And that like (laughs) police don't like respond to like calls. That's not a fashionable thing to do, Ryan. (laughs) It's not something that you, if you want to be in fine fettle of the media, you can't actually care about, uh, you know, everyday crime. You need to care about very specific crimes. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I guess those are the rules and that that is how it goes. And I think people are a little bit, you know, it, it's just, it gets, it gets a little tiresome. So if I was just giving my advice, my advice to the NBA, my advice to Adam Silver, take the day off, right? Take the, take election day off. I mean, it's, people are distracted anyway by the, by the election. I don't think we that, need that. Whole... That's another thing is, did they just do it because no one was going to watch their games I, that I night? I kind of think, I mean, yeah, like it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Adam it was like, oh, like, beacon of altruism. Such, such great games planned for that day. Yeah. It, it, there is an element of ducking the fade, right? Um, although it reminds me of one of my favorite Twitter moments of all time, which is uh, <laughs> on election day of uh, 2016, Nate Duncan just stoically like the uh, violinist on the Titanic tweeting out about the uh, six games that were played that. Oh, well, let me look back. Yeah. Six games that were played <laughs> on November 8th, 2016. Everybody's hair is on fire. Everybody's freaking out. <laughs> and he's talking about drag screens and, you know, motion weak counter. And that's an just, amazing bit. It's it, it it was incredible, and people were going like, "Is is Nate a conservative?" And I I know Nate well, and he's not, but he just had an attitude of, "Look, you're going to show up for work tomorrow," <laughs> which which they did, which most people did. Um, so I yeah, it was a uh, was a very amusing amusing moment in that particular backdrop. But that particular backdrop is really how we got here. The NBA people would will you know might have forgotten about this because. It's hard to remember how things were, um, but the NBA was not involved in politics, which is kind of strange because obviously a lot of NBA players loved Obama um, and Obama loved the NBA. So there was some affinity right there. Um, but to the degree to which it is now, that is a Trump phenomenon. And they they both I think I think Trump had a very negative impact on the NBA and the NBA's brand. Um, and by being allowed 
and going after LeBron. I think he went after Steph Curry. He got the NBA players more mad at him, and then it was him versus the NBA. And it's like he, he did kinda... this with the NFL too, and they managed to just like you know get past it in a year or two. Yeah, I'm just saying he kind of dragged them down in the mud a, a little bit, and they've yet to recover. It seems so. Um, people in the chat are trying to figure out, uh, what, what position they could take, what position, uh, if they were trying to even things out. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see what exactly they're going to do on that day of awareness, right? Uh, just what is it? What is the deal going to be? I'm fascinated by the election. I mean, I don't want to, uh, Again, I have this instinct that people might not want that much politics, but I've never been more fascinated by a midterm, Ryan, than the upcoming than the upcoming midterm. You know, at what point should we do predictions? At what point should we gamble? That's what I want to know. I just want to know about the gambling. I I think you can go ahead and gamble now. You should take a um take a family vacation. The Strausses do Ontario. Download DraftKings and whip out your your predictions on on the uh, midterm. It's too hard. It, it, too many cross currents. It, that's the that's the issue. I would say don't put your money in predict it though, because I think a lot of people are gonna rude awakening well, Bi- about what happens with their accounts. Well, the Biden administration, from what I heard, is shutting down predict it. Um, right, no, which is no why, why I'd say don't put it. Um, don't put your money in there. I got to find a politics bookie. I've got a, I mean, look, I don't have any good hunches. There are so many cross currents right now. You, you've got a situation where all, I mean, the approval rating of the president definitely tilts towards the Republicans. The primary turnout clearly tilts towards the Republicans. They've gotten much better turnout um, than the Democrats have gotten. And that is a good indicator. The Democrats got great turnout in 2018 and, and picked up a bunch of seats in the House. But then at the same time, the polling seems to be fairly favorable to the Democrats. And uh, a lot of the Republican candidates don't seem to be very good in the battleground. So these are the the stock market, like kind of rebounding and gas prices going down is another thing in the Democrats favor. I mean, we have no idea what those are going to look like two, three months from now. But um, the fact that those like reversed their directions um bodes well for for the democrats stan van gundy giving money to the democratic candidates in florida is that the foolishness of tribalism or is that a big flex is that just man i want money like that (laughs) (laughs) i mean how much is he really giving them you can only donate like two grand to a candidate right I mean, that's still two grand you're not going to get back. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's two grand more than I feel like giving to anybody right now. But um, yeah. <laughs> he's 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 made a lot of money. He's made what, like a hundred million dollars or close to it. Yeah, he's he's good for it. You know, he's he's good for it uh, for uh, uh, Charlie Crist. You know, why not? Why not throw some money at Charlie Crist or whoever? Um <laughs> whoever's going to, I don't even know that primary is happening on the 23rd. Um, and I will be watching intently because Florida is an intriguing state. If you're a data nerd, because they've just got the most data to get, they're almost like that ag college cow that you can reach into. Um, you can just see who's voting, what precincts, what party. And it's one of the reasons why there were two, I think there were two, 
ways the Sharps made money in 2020. The first was it was obvious Trump was going to win Florida before the actual uh, election day, just from the early voting and one's ability to see how many Republicans were voting versus Democrats. And then the second was in the middle of the night when it started shifting back to the Democrats, uh, Haralabob and other Sharps knew what the count was going to be and how even though Trump was ahead, Biden was going to win. And so that was the other way that Sharps made money on election day. Anyway, anywho, I don't good know how I got them. that. I'm good glad, for them. I'm the Sharps, they're the greatest among us, the gambling Sharps. The, um, it, it, it must be nice for them to be able to figure out how to get their like bets down. I got like a tip from some, from like one of my colleagues, Eric Richter. Um, he like does a good job covering gambling for the post. He's like bet on this thing in like the UFC amateur fights tonight. And, I go and do it, and my, like, limit was $3. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just distracted by Charlie. Charlie's dominating this chat. As a Chicagoan, I get it. He's saying it's hilarious that we are all in on carjacking, but so flippant about January 6th. I don't think not we've been I have not about carjacked anybody, sir. We barely talked about it. <laughs> I have not carjacked anybody. How dare you? Um, flippant about January I mean, maybe. I mean, I respect people. Uh, for thinking that is the primary problem. I just don't think it, that it is. I think it's a manifestation, but yeah, I got no, if, if somebody puts that number one in their, you know, hierarchy of car- concerns or however you're actually supposed to pronounce uh, that word, um, you know, I don't, I don't argue with them. That's, that's where they rank. Well, it. yeah. It, the, um, the fact the it was, I mean, Trump refusing to, um, except the results of the election was downright dangerous. And we're hey, very neither lucky. of us voted. For, neither of us voted for him. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is what it is. Uh, I also there is an element of how horrified can I? And be? if he runs against Biden, I think I'd probably vote for Biden again, as much as it would hurt me. And I probably wouldn't vote for either again because it's just all it's, it's all bad news. But yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's not good. There is an element though with Trump where it reminds me of the Chris Rock routine on the tiger attacking one of them, and Chris Rock saying they said the tiger went crazy, the tiger went tiger. I mean, am I how shocked am I going to be by the just the absolute logical? Uh, <laughs> conclusion of everything i've seen right like i was like shocked that he did that he denied the election results i mean it was the most obvious thing that could happen so anywho if he anyway. all he had to be like was you guys made a big mistake and you better pray, like the country's gonna go to hell you Ooh, better pray i'm willing a little to. richard nixon you won't have uh, old dick nixon to kick around any more speech yeah that could have been you know hey, hey it, that that could have been uh that could have been good anyway we're, we're way too on to the politics Ryan, is there anything that you would want to bring to the floor? I do know that there is uh, there there is stuff there is stuff regarding uh, television rights, TV generally. There is Katie uh, getting mad or, or accusing the fans of something, which is sort of curious. What subject would you like to talk about? Um, I want to complain about how Chipotle's quality standards have gone down as their <laughs> prices have escalated. Um, is that is that above or below carjacking in the order of concerns? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I haven't been carjacked. I have been a victim of like lower quality Chipotle, and it <laughs> drove me crazy today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
let's talk about KD. I do want to get my Chipotle rant in at the end for the people who stick around. Um, the So KD had um, a rant today where he basically, I don't know, rant's not the right word, but he goes back and forth with these people on Twitter. He said, first of all, he said the NBA owners are eating great right now. So he didn't seem to think that there's like any problem with like the contemporary NBA product or um, just how it's being kind of received by the public. I I think that's kind of flown over his head, but um, he said that the fans and the media want there to be a lockout, but he doesn't see it happening because things are so great for both sides. I don't know if the owners really think things are great for them right now, um, <laughs> it, that that they haven't revealed their cards. But I'm saying, like, if I'm an owner, I don't feel great about um, just you know the general direction of everything right now. Between the fact that half the audience is gone, by the way, yeah, and just the players don't honor their contracts. I know you can say, oh, well, players get traded all the time and owners don't care about, you know, loyalty to players, which is true. But um, we we haven't really had anything like we've had the last couple of years with, like, you know, for Durant, for example, who chose to go to the Nets. Generally, when you, when you give a guy over $100 million, uh, you, you, you want him to show up for work. I mean, generally speaking, I'm just, you know, but yeah, yeah. you were saying um, that, that, you know, the, the greedy owners <laughs> uh, <laughs> with, with their unrealistic expectations, but um, <laughs> the, yeah, it, it's, I mean, between all the trade demands and the player movement and like, you know, there's my old boss, Jason McIntyre would argue that like the player mobility is great for the league because it gets everybody buzzing about it. But I think I would dispute that. Um, You know, just like Matt, it's let's say like you're in um, the Nets, like ticket sales or sponsorship sales team right now. And you're trying to like call up people for (laughs) seven, eight, maybe even nine figure sponsorship deals yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like, what do you uh, imagine having that job? You're so screwed. I mean, I, I want to get, I see Nate, Nate Duncan in the caller queue and also Yu Yang. I, I will take it. No offense to Yu Yang. I'll probably take uh, the NBA agent before, before him on, on this particular matter. I hope he is not offended. Um, I do want uh, to read what Tommy Beer uh, asked of KD before I get Nate on, which is, Generally curious, KD, what information are fans entitled to? If a big Nets fan in Brooklyn has to decide whether to set aside a bunch of his hard-earned money on season tickets, you probably want to know if the Nets' best player plans to play for his favorite team next season. That was a really good question. There's not that many of those people, but yeah, yes. There are five of them. To which KD said, uh, you're entitled to what you work for. Now have a great day, little fella. Um, okay. Well, with that, let's get Nate on. Uh, okay. Putting him as the caller, teeing him up, waiting for him to unmute himself, hopefully. Oh, Nate. I fe- <clears throat> Unbelievable. I figured out this technology. I don't know. It takes a while. Nate Jones, everybody. How you doing? I'm good, my man. I've uh, tapped in like 
a couple minutes before and just got to catch a little bit of the conversation there. It's really interesting to me. I, I honestly believe what's going on in the league right now is it's limited to a very small number of players. You know, you have to keep in mind that there's 450 players in the league and most of the guys want to show up and play. Most of the stars want to show up and play. There's only a handful of guys that have been operating this way. And I, I honestly blame a lot of it on the way the Nets are operating themselves. I mean, if you mm. compare you compare the way a team like the Golden State Warriors operates, despite having a number of stars attached to them, including Kevin Durant when he was there, um, to the way the Nets have operated, it's, it's night and day. Uh, Golden State, for instance, even though I disagree with this model as an agent, they, they don't give stars player options. Yeah, that's just what they, that's the standard that they have. Steph Curry, I believe, even on his new extension, does not have a player option. As an agent, I would fight back against that. But as a team, that's kind of been the standard that's been set and the players have kind of fallen in line. And that's what they they they're willing to push back against their stars. And I would say that the Nets did the exact opposite. They basically have from the jump said, whatever you guys want, whatever you want to do. And then when it when things went a little too far, now they're you know, pushing back against, uh, you know, paying Kyrie, which is upset everything. That's basically what this comes down to. Um, uh, you know, doing some, uh, a little bit more analysis and looking at the whole situation. I, I didn't think about this at first, but I started to realize last week that this probably is attached to the fact that they um, have decided that, you know, paying Kyrie or giving Kyrie a fully guaranteed deal is too much. Meanwhile, on the other, on the other hand, they just traded for a player that another max player who's basically been more inconsistent and and less available than Kyrie, who's on a fully guaranteed max deal. So I think from, you know, I haven't spoken to Kevin or heard anything from anyone close to him to uh, confirm this, but just as an outsider looking in, I could see how that could really rock the boat where they feel like, okay, you've been willing to do this for this player and make excuses for this player and whatever else on the other side, you know, the reason I came to the Nets and, and committed to the Nets in the first place is Kyrie. And now you're telling me that you're not going to commit to him. So I think that's what's making him go like this Mark says to go or I'm I'm not staying. But again, that whole standard was set in the first place by the way that this Nets organization operated, giving these guys carte blanche, letting them do whatever they wanted to do. Um, and I think that's kind of what's what's happened to, to this to this stage. And- and they're not built to be that team um, organizationally as a culture. They kind of built up a mini Spurs beforehand. That's what attracted. Yes. That's what attracted KD to them. But they built up a mini Spurs because Sean Marks is a Spurs kind of guy. And this is what I hear. You know, I heard a GM say this at summer league that they don't know how to handle these guys. They don't know what yeah. to do. They, they, this isn't their world. This is. You have a couple decades in the Spurs Mafia, or however however long, in an unrealistic situation, and it's not like trying to run the Lakers. And the, I think it I think it shows. And you hear so many rumors. I don't want to I don't want to talk out of school too much without things being absolutely verified. But I do think is this that... about the crypto payments? <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about <laughs> those particular allegations, but I, I do think that there has been some over-promising of the stars and under-delivering um, in combination with how they're all just so impossible in this particular situation, yeah. the guys they have. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a perfect storm, a perfect shit storm. And 
I think I, I know what the Nets are doing. They're just hoping to wait. They're hoping to wait Kevin out, and they're hoping that he just changes his mind. And they do have a, a leverage point over him, which is that he loves basketball. And so, you know, is we he really signed shut- for four more years? Yeah. Well, that's the other yeah, leverage point. I, yeah. I, and again, I, I think that this is a, it's a unique situation. And I think the, the situation is going sideways because typically an organization wouldn't turn down paying a player. That is the reason that star player even came to the organization. So they yeah. kind of set that they, as crazy as Kyrie is, the fact that that is what Kevin is attracted to, attached to, and the only reason he's on the nets to begin with, like it's almost like he feels like that was a blood issue and they, they crossed the line um, pulling back because he, he extended there expecting them to extend Kyrie. So just from that, you know, it's almost like he a hasn't explained that this is about them not paying Kyrie. It's it's obvious that that's what this is about. Like that, the, it, to me, this is just me looking at it from the outside. Again, I haven't heard anything from anyone, but it's it's pretty obvious that he's pissed that they're they're shaking up, you know, they're causing chaos within the way they want to operate because they don't want to pay Kyrie, which makes, you know, just him feel unsettled in that situation. And meanwhile, they have a player that I think, you know, it's been reported in a a lot of different outlets that the guy was hesitant to even play in the playoffs and kind of cut his teammates off and all that stuff. And they're, they're paying that guy and they have no problem being, you know, trading assets and being committed to him. And meanwhile, the player that he's, he's come to see, he, he came to the organization to play with in the first place is being treated the way that he's, you know, he assume, he dislikes him being treated that way. Um, you know, obviously as an outsider, you can look in and be like, oh, I don't blame him for, you know, you look at a yeah. guy like Joe Sy that does business all over the world. He can't, he can't be, you know, looked as a player that, as a business person that could be pumped by someone like Kyrie Irving, right? So I get his position and and wanting to pull back in that way. But from Kevin's point of view, I'm assuming that it's like, dude, I mean, this is not what I signed up. This isn't what I signed up for. If you don't want to get punked by Kyrie Irving, then don't don't acquire Kyrie Irving. I mean, the, everybody kind of knew what they were getting into, which makes it such a, a glorious disaster. Um, that was, I think, in many ways predictable. I mean, what what would you do, Nate? Would you pay Kyrie? Like, what's your what's your solution here? I mean, they really don't have much of a choice because I don't see. Ke- I mean, it's going to be a disaster situation if if they don't like if if that's re- you know obviously Kevin hasn't spoken about it publicly at what it, what was the trigger point for him being upset. But if they say they you know they're committed to Ben Simmons but don't want to pay Kyrie, I don't like I don't know how he recovers from that. Like the whole reason he I mean that's, it's been obvious from the jump the entire reason he went to play with the Nets was to play with Kyrie. And it was also reported that the reason they encouraged Kyrie to come or allowed Kyrie to come back, despite initially pushing him, you know, out when he wasn't didn't have the the vaccine, um, was you know at at Kevin's uh, you know urging. So it, those guys are obviously tied at the hip, and and that aspect of it kind of has thrown things off. You know, again, this is just assumptions. Like I feel like Ke- yeah. tomorrow I'm going to get. I'm well, gonna the, get the funny thing I'm gonna get on this tweeted day, at tomorrow. We have- the the, the funny thing about it, though, is that it's that uh, meme of the worst person you know just made a good point. I, I And I'm not saying that Kyrie's the worst person. I'm just saying that I'm not – he's not my lodestar for 
for defensible decisions, but yeah. I do think he has a point about bodily autonomy, and I do think he's been uh, validated by history, at least in the sense that it was he never needed this vaccine, and it was never something that was going to prevent transmission to other people. So he was kind of right in the end. And I feel like it's been an underplayed aspect of this, which is that, hey, everybody was telling him to do one thing. And then, you know, he, he has reason to believe that he was ultimately correct in that. That's not to say that he is of, of sound mind all the time or easy to work with. But I think it's an under-acknowledged aspect of this whole mess. I actually agree. I agree with you in in some uh, fashion, Ethan. I think that in this particular thing, he's he's correct. But there's other there's other NBA players that felt the same way, and they had to do it anyway, they, and they sucked they it did up. It, and they sucked it up and did it, and they did it because they're one of the 450 play, best players in the world, and it's a privilege to play in the NBA. And when you have that opportunity, sometimes you have to make sacrifices in order yeah. to be one of those players. And he's the one guy. <laughs> thought he was a, you know, like well, there were other players it. who didn't get it too, but like they didn't play they in places like That's New York saying. that mandated it. The, yeah, there's, guy, there's guys that I guess what I'm saying is not just it's in in how many NBA that players lot, do we think pulled an Antonio Brown and like just gave like a fake vaccine card? Probably like twenty. Twenty I, I over I, under I, I, over under Nate twenty over under. Uh, honestly, I, th- I don't think it's. I don't think that. Well, number one, they're risking. They're risking being made an example of. I think less people made. Maybe some. Maybe a couple players pull that off, but I don't think teams and players are trying to put themselves in a position of where they're made that kind of example. I mean, they would suspend the hell out of the players if they ever got caught with that stuff, beyond yeah. like the legalities and all that. So I, I think that that's. All the players I work with, I know they were just getting vaccines through the teams. The teams were the ones setting up everything. So it's not like they were going somewhere else, getting a vaccine and coming and saying, hey, I have proof of it. It's the team team trainers and medical staff that are that are managing these processes. Yeah, them. I feel I, I want to say that next year will feel like the first post pandemic year or next season. But uh, there's Agreed. still some residue. There's still some residue with I think Toronto still has has its rules going on, but that Summer League, Nate, which I don't believe you went to. Did you not go I, to Summer League? I went to, I went to Summer League. I sat in one – I oh. went to one th- game. And, thanks for uh, saying hi. Th- th- thanks for letting me know. But continue. Hey, I, I, I definitely <laughs> let you know you ducked me for dinner, man. I, you know, I wasn't <laughs> be, <laughs> I was messing with you, but I, I definitely was out there. You and, you and Big Waz ducked me for dinner, but uh, oh. I, I was out there for appearances and for uh, – uh, Damian Lillard's extension. So, ah, well, so congr- I, I left right after the signing was done. I was out of there. Well, congratulations on that, sir. Well, I guess we could let you go unless you have anything, any other take, any other thought for us. No, I just, I just, the thing that upsets me is that, uh, you know, I'm a pro, I work with players, but I'm pro NBA all around. So, you know, I'm not like one of these people that's anti media or anti owner or anti front office or, you know, and I'm not negative to players. I just, um, it, it kind of upsets me that there's kind of, there's been this narrative that there's a need for like a lockout or whatever else. Like, you know, yeah, the, the, the viewership has gone down all those different things. Um, you know, metrics by any means, they're not keeping up. They never were keeping up with the NFL, but, um, you know, from my perspective, the owners are still making money, right? Like, and that's, that's usually when this thing shuts down they've never really, 
um, you know, attempted to to lock the players out when it wasn't about money. Um, this this these issues over, uh, you know, a, a couple. Like I said, it's it's three or four players at the at the end of the day um, yeah. that are having these issues. I don't see them trying to lock out. If anything, they may try to put you know as a, as a leverage point. They may try to put in some rules that you know make it highly punitive to someone that tries to pull this off in the in the situations where you have you have a Ben Simmons that tries to sit out um, in order to get traded. In the Kevin situation, I think it's honestly fair game because it's still the off season. If he's if he actually sits and, and misses games, that's a completely different situation. I don't but, think anybody yeah. thinks he's really going to do that. He yeah. might he might just kind of pout on the floor, which happened in some Warriors games. And I, I don't know how long he can sustain that. Again, his his vulnerability here is that he loves basketball. <laughs> I mean, that and all the money and the contracts. It's, but also, he loves basketball. It's really a shame. The last thing I'll say is it's really a shame that the Nets, like, and I don't, I don't have anything negative against, like, you know, Kevin, I, I have a, you know, I don't have a relationship with him now, but in the past, I worked with him for the first five or six years of his career, and he was, he was always great. Um, uh, Kyrie, I, you know, I have my opinions on, but even though I agree with you on the code that he was right, you know, for uh, to a certain extent from the COVID aspect of it, defense don't agree. Defensible, yeah. but I just don't agree with him thinking that he's like the one guy that can like you know that he doesn't have to sacrifice in that situation. Like all these other players put basketball first because they know how special the situation is, and he he doesn't. But the thing I was going to say is it's it sucks the Nets get the coverage that they do. There's so much of a focus of basketball. It takes away from all the great things that are going on with the NBA. They're they're honestly haven't been an exciting team. They're a boring team. And it's just nothing but controversy and drama and takes away from all the good things that are happening in the league. And I wish we Yeah, they've won like one it. playoff series in three years, right? Which but they've is- won so many A blocks on S- on FS one. Um, <laughs> that I think it really when you balance it out, I mean, what would they do without them? I mean, they they are mana from heaven for your Colin Cowherds, your Nick Wrights, your Stephen A. Smiths. There's just something about them that makes for great angry content, even though they have no fans. When, when, when you hear people say the NBA is boring or this is unwatchable or it's whatever, I can see that. Cause if you're getting hyped, if you the, the team that's high, the two teams that were hyped the most last year were the Lakers and the Nets. And I watched a lot of Laker games and a lot of Nets games, and they both were like mediocre, yeah. bad teams. Right. And that's what yeah. you're hearing about getting hyped every single day. Um, it's tough, man. I, I just I don't know what the answer is to get around that because of you know media incentives and everything else. But like, I just wish that they weren't propped up the way that they are. Again, nothing personal against Kevin, who I think is one of the best players well, of all he, time. But you know, it's just if from your lips to Adam Silver's ears, because they are not on the Christmas Day slate unless there's some change to it that I'm unaware of. Uh, so I think that's a signal. Oh, I didn't realize that they weren't on the Christmas Day. Am I making that up, Ryan? Ryan, No, you're you're right. They're not. The Knicks are, which makes you wonder if the league office knows they're going to have Donovan Mitchell by then. Mm. Ah, well. I mean, it also could just be that nobody cares about the Nets and people do care about the Nets. I mean, it's the same thing. The the Clippers are probably going to be the second best team, second or third best team. One of the top three teams in the West. 
and they're not on the Christmas Day slate, and the Lakers are, who we don't know what they're going to be, right? So, well, the, the the Nets are nothing without the main guys, and you need them to play off another team because they have no they have no fan base. So you can't take that risk that you're going to slate them for that for that game, and those guys will potentially be absent. So anyway, so, Ethan, one, one one last thing, yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll jump sure. off of here. So, question: Do you guys think? The Clippers have more of a fan base in Los Angeles per capita, you know, than the Nets do in New York. Right? Definitely, like, uh, yes, yes. It's uh, I, I I agree, and people there there is no shit on the Clippers in L.A. So I yeah. can like you, the Nets are like, what are the Nets? What do they stand for? Just there's, there's no Brooklyn Clippers fans. Yeah, there, there's no Brooklyn Clipper Daryl, right? Like that doesn't exist. <laughs> There's no Billy Crystal of the Nets, as far as I know. Um, yeah, I mean, and they've they've been there for longer, even though the New Jersey Nets were a thing. Uh, just yes, there's more. There are more Clipper fans than there are Net fans, and the inability of the NBA to get a second team really going in these big markets versus some of these other leagues uh, is intriguing. I don't know what the answer to that is or why. I think so they hard. could in the Chicago northern suburbs. Mm. Could they, though? The Bulls are such a brand, man. I mean, imagine being a Chicagoan basketball fan and rooting for not the Bulls. Well, yeah, if you, I, I don't know. I, th- I think it would work. They, they've got two baseball teams working pretty well. Yeah, yeah those, teams, those teams are established. They've been they, yeah. Yeah, that it's it's you know, I know we're we're everyone thinks it's player first and that's what it is these days, but there is something about, you know, generate generationally about rooting for that team that your grandfather and your father and you know such and such or in my case my my grandmother who got me into sports like was rooting for particular teams, and those are the teams that I ended up liking. And I think that's that's a very hard thing to break. I mean, you see it with the Lakers and the Clippers. The Lakers were trash for a decade, and the Clippers that were putting fun teams on the floor, and no one no one cared, relatively speaking. Yeah. You know, so yeah. For some reason, it's stickier. the The NBA brand in these cities is stickier. But uh, Nate, thanks so much. Uh, yes, wise words. Appreciate. Yeah, the good points all around. We appreciate your calling in. Yes, yeah, and uh, we'll get. Here. We'll uh, zoom through these callers. We got Yu Yang. He's very patient. Very patient. He is on the floor, ready to unmute himself. Hey, hey guys. Yeah. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Hi. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing well. Yeah, how long you doing? time. Long yeah, time. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I've been listening, but just I haven't thought of any like questions or even stupid questions to ask you guys. So I just think staying staying silent. Uh, but you know, Ryan, what you're saying about the fake vaccine cards with NBA players? I think I agree with you. I, I will put it over. I think I don't. Said, I don't know if he said twenty or twenty-five, but I'll put it like uh, yeah, minus twenty. 20. The over/under yeah. is twenty. Yeah, I'll put over uh, twenty and then minus one thirty. That's that's how how strong I feel about that. The fake vaccine cards. Mm. I um, that they're so yeah. easy to fake. Like the only reason exactly. Antonio Brown got caught was because he stiffed his chef. Like he didn't get yep. caught because they noticed anything weird about it. Like anybody like could make one of these fake cards. Like it they, it would be really easy. I feel exactly. like the enforcement has really fallen away. But there was a time where it seemed like the enforcement of it was going to be more systematized. Um, so, yeah, I think it'd be much easier to get away with now, I guess is what I'm saying, than in the past. That's 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 uh, my contribution. Okay, well... I feel uh, like everybody's sure, sure. kind of forgot. Everybody just sort of... Not everybody, but a lot of people are kind of who cares at this point. And oh, totally. it was different 
six months ago. It was definitely different. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you had to show them everywhere you went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I don't but know what like, you guys, but, yeah. I, but, we're, but we're making different points. Cause like the, um, yeah. What I'm saying is those cards would have been really easy to forge by someone who didn't want to get that shot. I agree, oh, totally. but I I would need to know more about the mechanism of enforcement. I, I remember at the beginning, it sounded like a total joke to me that the person who collected the information was the equipment manager. Um, so there's a bit of a conflict of interest there. Uh, so, <laughs> but I, I just don't know enough. I don't know enough about the mechanism of enforcement that would inform that would inform my, my guess. Um, if the NBA was smart, I think that the way they would go about it is not really trying too hard to catch people. Um, right. But then there's the other issue of they got to go to Toronto, right? I mean, isn't that a part of uh, the, the part of the whole, the yeah, whole yeah. role? I mean, can, can you, can you fake it? Going into yeah, a country it's, that it's is literally like a, it's a it's a card that anybody with any printer could make, like, <laughs> and then you just write on it in pen. But nobody's like calls the Walgreens to say like, did he really get it? There's no international <laughs> database. There's no database no. for it. No. Oh. Okay. Wow. Walgreens. I mean, that's a good that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think in Canada, they like depending on which province, they, they have like QR codes. So that's a little bit more of a database. But I don't know how they can check like if you did it in Chicago, like Walgreens. How can they prove well, that, right? I, ha- I drove you know? all the way to like Rockford, Illinois, which was like two hours to like get that vaccine as early as I freaking could. I was also unemployed, so I like had the time. But <laughs> like I, it's, it's just, like a wild thing to like look back on. It was yeah, a crazy yeah. time. Well, you Yang, you've given me a segue oh. to kick kick you out of here because you brought oh, up sorry. Canadians and there's a Canadian. Okay. There's a Canadian no waiting in the wings. Oh, can, hey, I, can I ask one quick question? Can I ask one quick question? Or if I, uh, quick question. Sure, sure, if you don't sure, want to answer, sure. no problem. We don't need the segue. Uh, yeah. No, no, but it'll be really quick. Uh, so I saw this on Reddit. It's a stupid question, but I wanted to ask you guys. Like, if KD wanted okay. to get traded so bad, why don't he just, like, uh, tweet out, like, free Hong Kong or free Taiwan? And then boom, he'd be, he'd be gone like, you know. Bogut, Bogut tweeted that one out. Ah, um, okay, okay. Because I, I mean, he doesn't really want to be traded. He wants something else. Okay. Mm, or he just doesn't want all that would come with. Uh, the baggage, that would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could never, you could never go to China ever again, probably. <laughs> um, he, he, who knows? You could never star in a movie. Or be Probably like have a like cameo in a movie. The teams he couldn't go to if he did that too. Yeah. Oh. Um, all the. Yeah. So I think the, the consequences too. It would be too much. But goddamn, it would be very. Fun. That we. Uh, I think we'd have to do an emergency pod. Our first oh. ever. <laughs> we would have to do an emergency pod. I would write about it. I would watch. I would watch ESPN all day and just take notes on how they were talking about it. I, I really want it to happen. Please let that happen. I'm okay, glad right. we, I'm glad thank you got that question in you, Yang. Thank you. Thank you. Question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Whoops. I invited you, Yang, to speak accidentally. You, Yang, I, I apologize for doing that. I'm making JF a caller. Okay. Uh, hey guys. Hey Ethan. Hey Ryan. Our, our last yep. caller of the evening, JF. Uh, how you doing, man? How's Canada going? How are things you know, going up there? And to clarify, to enter Canada, you have to download this Arrive Canada app where you upload a photo of your 
documents and then oh. there's a verifier uh, within the Canadian government to check it. So I don't know what kind of verification process they're doing on their end before okaying it so you can cross the border. So, uh, you know. Calling the Walgreens in Rockford. Yes, possibly, <laughs> right? So I don't know if they go that level of due diligence, but uh, but yes, there is a process. Uh, so my question was really around kind of Ethan's uh, career as a beat reporter for the Golden State Warriors. And when Katie first joined the team, was he this petulant? Or was this kind of a buildup of the residual resentment that kind of the general fan base had, um, you know, for kind of ruining the league? I know you wrote in your book that he ruined the league and it was too decadent. (laughs) I think it was like you wrote it, but I I don't even think you even sold it. You really undersold it because there's kind of two categories of NBA fans, right? There's the... The ones on Twitter, the ones on Reddit, and the well, we, we we should we should say some. My book came out in April of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so we talk about ways of it should have been promoted this way or that way. It was closed uh, with my book. <laughs> but you were saying, yeah. So uh, I. You kind of described this in your book to to an extent that uh, he didn't expect kind of the backlash and, and resentment for joining a 73 win team. And like I said, the there's kind of like this culture with uh, the hardcore fans that it gains a lot of interest through the league and the teams that they have, you know, a lot of A block topics on Golden State Warriors. Yeah. So it's kind of lost on the rest of the fan base, the fan base that probably drives 90% of the revenue. So it comes at a much greater expense to every other team that had no chance in hell of winning a championship those two years. And and then Katie not even getting the same love from the Golden State Warriors fans. Uh, so, you know, when he first joined, did you see this kind of attitude? Um, and no. And- no, not really. I mean, there was a little bit of it, but it was it was more loosey goosey kind of fun. The guy, I mean, the drama of the whole season was really Steve Kerr's botched back surgery and ensuing cerebral spinal fluid leak, where uh, he was miserable and in so much pain, but trying to continue his coaching career. But the Warriors had a vibe that was uh, even if the league didn't like it. It was fun. I mean, they would drink after the games because I, I, I hear people talking about, oh, in the 1970s, guys would just drink in the locker room. That was the Warriors in 2017. I mean, every time KD did an interview with us, he would chug an entire Coors Light and just belch and then start answering the questions. And it was, I, I think for them, a fun season of just experiencing that that particular dynamic and uh, he got hurt near the end. He came back. Uh, they had a dominant finals run and you watch him celebrate it. And he was, uh, he, he seemed really happy. And from what everybody has said, it was, it was when that didn't change the conversation that the, uh, the misery started to set in Steve Nash, I think said it uh, in a Zach Lowe article that he was working with him. And it was really that that summer after winning the first Warriors championship and seeing that in those a block topics that it was not, it was not that Kevin Durant is the best player after he beat LeBron James. It's like, no, the head of Substack was not acknowledging him. 
<laughs> the head of Substack was not acknowledging him. Uh, he was not on the Joe Rogan experience, which, I mean, that would be an interesting one. I kind of think maybe they should book him, actually, now that I think about it. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think it was that was that there was the honeymoon period and then it was really over the summer. And then you could kind of you could kind of tell that the milk had kind of spoiled or whatever you want to say about it. And I can't remember everything because I got fired at some point in, in that whole mix of things. And I've <laughs> lost track of when that whole thing happened. So, yeah. It, and can there even be triumphs when there was no adversity to like winning that championship? Like how can you have fulfillment without uh, drama well, and, you know, overcoming? I think it helped them that he got, he got hurt um, when Zaza, was it Zaza rolled into him. And it was that game in Washington DC where early on I saw him and I saw Draymond just have this absurd argument over a Bubba Gump shrimp pouch where, uh, Katie had accused Draymond of eating his shrimp pouch. And that's why there was no shrimp left. And they were, you know, they're kind of going at each other. It was, it was pretty, pretty funny, but, um, did he do then, it? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see what <laughs> happened. They let, they let us in when they let us in. Um, they don't want people uh, too aware of everything that goes on, obviously, and revealing these details about shrimp pouches. So, and then the injury happened, and I think, I think that gave a sense of overcoming adversity, right? Uh, having that injury to overcome. Um, but after that, it's just it was, I guess, too clear that they were going to win win the championship if healthy, and that can only be so fun. And and two. Um... Your perspective was joining the Warriors, a 73 win team, uh, greater faux pas than joining the Nets that have zero fan base and, uh, you know, zero passion fans. No way. Like, no way. It's only a faux pas if I, I think if it was handled differently, it wouldn't have been a faux pas. I think that there was this, um, element of needing the love so much that it repels people and then getting unhappy and then that further repelling people i mean if if he had just kind of stoically won there and seemed pretty happy with it and then said look i i need to go i need a new journey i'm so thankful blah 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 i think that it would have just added to his career and it it does theoretically i mean i do think in a way his contributions are underrated uh because nobody wants to give him the validation but well, he, he also was, hasn't really done very much outside of there he's that, made that it to like well. one finals that as well but he was an absolute killer in those playoffs and Absolutely. yeah he was he was he was uh completely clutch do we think he's ever listened to this show I would bet yes. <laughs> it, must, bet yes. it must absolutely. I would bet yes. I mean, look, that's not it a testament have... to what we're doing here. Just, I don't want anybody getting too cocky. Uh, just, it, 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 it's what? he is. I mean, he has listened to many, 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 many podcasts that mention him. So, well, hello, Katie, if you're listening, good yeah. fan. It must have absolutely killed him that you know he was carrying that Nets team that was a championship threat. Uh, in Brooklyn, meanwhile, like this ragtag group of outcasts for the Knicks were just like rocking SMG, oh, MSG, yeah. like in the first round of the playoffs, like, and they were just, you know, back page news yeah. uh, in New York. Like, he must have been like, what the hell do I have to do? Like, <laughs> well, if he had gone like, to the Nets or he had gone to the Bulls, 
he would be in a situation where he's beloved by the fan bases. He chose to go to a team without one. And well, so this, this know, is kind the sort of, of circular, him. the loop that you get in with Kevin Durant, where he says, why can't it be this? And you go, because it's that. And he goes, well, it should be this. And it's just this endless. If you look at so many of the discussions that he has with people, it is in that general pattern. Um, yeah. It, it, <laughs> It definitely was his hubris that led him there and thought that he could turn the situation around when, and this is kind of the point. I know you had Raman, um, Damon on a few months ago, I guess, on your podcast. And he thought that the live tour could, you know, be replicated with NBA players, which I thought was completely absurd. It's like, that is the last sport that this could do. And I think Katie going to the Nets is a perfect example of why it would fail miserably if someone tried to, uh, you know, just buy the best talent and start a new league with new teams because there is no loyalty. Uh, it's it's more of a regional geographic based uh, sport um, than kind of like the small subject of the fandom, yeah. which is um, you know more. I based. thought that there were like enough kind of like you know hipster transplants in Brooklyn <laughs> that he would build a fan base there, and I was wrong. Well, there was the whole pandemic that happened. I mean, that that also I think is a confounding, a confounding variable uh, in in the entire Brooklyn Nets shit show. Although part of me feels like if it wasn't Kyrie and the vaccine, it would just be something else. It would just be some other thing that they would fight endlessly about. And, well, it's uh, you know yeah. if his foot was like not a millimeter over the line in that Bucks yeah. um, shot, the whole world is different now. Okay, okay, but let's let's talk about that because I it, it's a fair point, but at the same time, he his foot was on the line for a reason, right? Uh, PJ Tucker was playing incredible defense on him. <laughs> it was a bad shot that he had chased him into where he was retreating, and so there is an aspect of yeah, if his foot was a little bit farther back, then different outcome. But also that was the result of incredible defense. And he was gassed, and then he went 0 of 6 in the overtime. God damn it, I'm sounding like a KD hater. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You're you're the the notebook. There's a lot of foot a lot of foot on the line talk. Not a lot of uh, 0 of 6 in the overtime talk. It's just what I'm I'm saying. But was he you know uh, I I gotta give him the credit for that. It was oh, yeah. so close. Like I said, it was less than an yeah. inch. I mean he was uh, he, he, he was really doing all he could, team. right? He was out man. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Uh but you know, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying there's uh there, there are different ways to view that whole that whole thing. I feel like I've been Ben Thompson pilled on the uh the Bucks uh on this particular one. Um are there any any additional takes, uh JF? Yes so I have Wait, I have a I have a Canada question for JF, and it might take a little while. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> how I does your parliamentary system work, JF? No, sorry, you're saying. I saw a couple of Twitter threads this week that um, this like euthanization in Canada, it like assisted suicide is like turning into like it's like now like the sixth leading cause of death. And it's, like, kind of becoming, like, people who are poor, that it's, like, inconvenient to treat them, are getting, like, put into this category. I could not have something that's, like, this, actually happening and is concerning? Because it was, like, one of those things where you see Twitter threads about it and you don't know if they're, like, real or not? 
Yeah, that okay. So I, I'm going to interject before JF answers. First of all, I could not have anticipated that would possibly be the question. That's number one. Number two, I do have this issue that you're talking about, Ryan, where news comes out of Canada, and uh, especially if it's coming from a more conservative side of people raising an alarm about something. And I have literally, I just have no ability to tell how real uh, any of the problems are or what the scope of the problems are or what day-to-day life in, in Canada is like. So, yes, uh, JF, is there, if, if there's any way to answer that question succinctly, <laughs> by all yeah, means. Yeah, so, so I, I haven't followed it closely. I did see one uh, tweet about it. Uh, so the reason they would do this, because we have a public health care system, and since 90% of public health care costs uh, are you know, allocated to kind of end of life uh, procedures or, you know, <laughs> latter part of life procedures. Uh, I can see the economics behind them suggesting assisted suicide rather than, you know, maybe uh, multiple surgeries and kind yeah. of a, a painful last five years. Uh, that would be quite costly for the government. So I think it may be kind of <laughs> a type of um, expense management. Mm. Yeah, I, but I, I don't know how prolific this problem is. I saw one tweet about it. it it's not, I, I don't think also, the general news. I, I don't also really don't even know where I'm at on that particular question of uh, what should happen. And uh, yes, I have, I have no idea. I have no idea what the rules should be and, there. And, and I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm no, not, um, you know, an absolutist for life that we need to do everything we can to give another person one more day or something, right? Especially when they're 85 years old. So it is more complicated question. And and it's, they're not, you know, recommending this. It's, uh, they're suggesting it to some people. Well, so so that's it. And I do have a side top, uh, take that I'll pass. No, 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 no. Now we need you to give that take because otherwise we're ending on assisted suicide. So give us the take. Well, I think Katie is is locking horns on the wrong person. Like this guy's pretty ruthless. Uh, this whole Nets purchase has been a complete failure from a business perspective, right? And even though he's very rich, they hate losing money. You've been around Josiah, or no, or rather Joe Lakeup. Uh, they're very protective of it. He's gone through a number of executives on the business side of mm. Brooklyn Nets. Uh, because they've been unperforming to his kind of expectations returns. He thought the Nets would be on fire after they brought in Katie and Kyrie. They haven't. So they have been just not enough. (laughs) Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but but yes, you're going to wrap up with uh, what was the, uh, what was the side point? Basically Katie picked the wrong like guy. Mm. Yeah, he might've. And and I think it's, and I think it's really the economic reality. There's two economic realities of the NBA. There's the kind of the macro level, which is affects NBA valuations. And people, you know, up, since there's a supply constraint on number of teams and there's an increasing number of billionaires, that's the sole reason why uh, the valuations are yeah. going up. And since we're kind of in point. economic downturn on a macro level, those valuations are going to compress, mm. right? But we don't see it because it's not a, it's not fluid like the stock market. So when I saw like Forbes putting out a valuation of five billion on the Warriors, I'm absolutely laughing. Like this is absolutely ridiculous. Well, right? they they it's might so- they might play by different rules though, because when you're the uh, the Tiffany 
of uh, the NBA or whatever term we're using for just kind of the one of the main legacy brands. I think that that is that's a different. It could be five billion, right? Just because some billionaire really, really, really wants the Warriors, but is that going to be the case? You know, is is the rising tide going to really impact? Uh, what the Timberwolves are, or is they just recently got sold? But just whatever new, te- whatever team you throw out there is what I would say. But yes, and that's exactly it. Because of the rising tides, it's lifting the valuations. These huge overvaluations, the Timberwolves and and the Bucks, um, and which you know this new ownership group have bought into, and the microeconomics driving that valuation are completely disconnected. Uh, and now we're reading this. Uh, this old microeconomic study of, of Randy John, Johnson quote when he signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He signed this huge contract and he had something in there like, you know, uh, it doesn't affect ticket prices, right? Mm-hmm. These fans don't have to worry, my contract. But in reality, the situation, they actually increase prices to pay for that contract. Mm-hmm. And so eventually it, it will come down to the smaller markets. Uh, having to increase prices or, you know, just wring out money from all their fans as much as they can in, yeah. when we're in this also, economic It's downturn. a difficult thing to figure out um, as far as how profitable does this need to be for billionaires to continue to want to pay for it because there's a big aspect of it being a, a showpiece item, uh, like buying a yacht. It, it, Exactly. And since it is a vanity purchase for Josiah, but he's not getting really the benefits <laughs> he's of it, right? He's getting humiliated like, as a result of his vanity purchase. And so he's like, fuck you. Like, you know, not only is this a bad business decision, but I'm not even reaping the, you know, Steve Ballmer kind of rewards or Mark Cuban rewards. From yeah, that. he should um, sell. So they, should, they should have them sell. The whole thing is very awkward. Um, okay, well, good show. Thank you to JF. Uh, we, uh, hey, what are you going to plug, Ryan? You know, on the on the way out, what you got? What you got? Um, just you Vacation? know, I, I want everybody to take stock of Chipotle's quality standards dipping, and um, that this is one of my new causes. It's that bad. I mean, it's uh, is this a pandemic thing that caused it? I mean, I don't know. The... It's you know, it's twice as expensive as it was 17 years ago, which I know, you know, join the club. A lot of things are, yeah. but um, the burritos are smaller. They're just um, it varies from like franchise to franchise, whether like the, how like good the steak is going to be today. The um, one I went to the Pico de Gallo was just diced tomatoes. It didn't have anything else in it. And the like lady put the wrong salsa on my burrito. And I was like standing there like recoiling in horror faced with the decision of like whether to make them throw it out or eat like a burrito with the salsa that I didn't want. I chose the latter, but I wasn't happy about it, and they they got my wrath in a tweet. Well, I have not eaten at Chipotle in years. I don't know what that's about. I've got nothing against them, so uh, I, that's that's how I have ducked this particular <laughs> this particular issue. I, I see. Um, you want to avoid the hard topics on this show? Yeah, I yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's too much controversy. For no, me. Nothing um, to plug, though. I wrote Marshan's newsletter again this week. If anyone is a subscriber, wants the free trial. I covered um, the like future of like what's next in terms of the college football landscape with all of like this realignment and the new Big Ten deal. 
Um, I covered like WWE's TV deal is up and that's kind of interesting. I had a Q&A with Jeff Passan in which I asked him if the Nintendo in his um, office, if he's had it since he was a kid or if he bought it as a prop. Well, what's the answer? Oh no, no, you got to you got to check it out to find. No, out. you gotta. Yeah, I can't give that away. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep content. that. Yeah, keep keep that tease. Uh, yeah, I uh, will have I think a very a very good podcast coming out uh, with Rob Henderson on uh, kind of the the work from home topic that I wrote about. I want to dive a little deeper into, um, and I'm working on some other stuff. We're going to come up on a year a year anniversary of the House of Strauss Substack on August 23rd. So I definitely am planning for some good content for uh, a relaunch uh, as it were, or I don't even know what to call that. Maybe a victory lap. Hey, it worked out. Take, take that haters or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. The haters, your, your haters are inconsolable. They are, um, (laughs) they're weeping into their bad salsa at Chipotle. The lamentations of their women are quite audible. Uh, they are uh, tweeting so snarkily. They're so mad. Um, I don't even know who my one of is. your haters called me Aspiegel last week. Oh, who's what? Who's what, what? Hater did this? Is this a one with a blue check or a random? No, it was a random one. A random. I mean, hey, you know, Aspiegel. Uh, hey, <laughs> wouldn't have thought to go there. Hey, thanks everybody. Good show. Uh, see you next week. Uh, good show by good you. Good job Ryan. by you. <laughs> good show by you. <laughs>